Welcome to the All Saints Community Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community of worship and formation on mission with Jesus. We are committed to being rooted in the scriptures and the historic Christian faith and to kingdom life in the power of the Holy Spirit. As you listen, may you be encouraged and empowered to know the Lord Jesus and make Him known. For more information on who we are, visit allsaintsokc.org or follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at ASCCOKC. Keep them safe. All right, so we're looking at part two of Jesus Brings Deliverance. Before we look into the scriptures, I want to make a couple of pastoral comments. All right, my friend and dear brother John Rutke was here last week, and I humorously call him John the Baptist because he shows up at just these unbelievable times, and he is pretty fiery, wouldn't you say? He is uh, from another era, and he's from the Jesus people era, and I know it was an experience for many people. For some of you, you hadn't been around John before, and then he stuck around and did some ministry after church. And I just want to to say this, okay? John is a lot like Christians from the major growth centers of the church in the world. China, Africa, Latin America, places in the Middle East like Iran, they are fiery, they are expressive, they are more Pentecostal and charismatic than some of you. And so I know having John here might get some of you out of your comfort zone. Is that okay? Because I'm telling you, in the coming days, if and when we have brothers and sisters from the places that I named, they're going to look and act more like John Rutke. And so we have to think, are we willing to make space for different approaches and models and personality types? I certainly am. At the same time, we're gonna pastor well and lead well, right? Think about, some of you have heard what happened with John and Carol Wimber's church in 1980. Mother's Day, 1980, John allowed this young man named Lonnie Frisbee to come to his church and speak. And John was out of town. And so he didn't realize that while he was gone, a Holy Spirit nuclear bomb would go off in his church. But the vineyard was impacted forever because they made space for someone like Lonnie Frisbee a young hippie pastor, evangelist, preacher. And so we also want to make space here for people. Amen? And we do. We want to, we want, uh, John may be a different model from a different era, and that's okay. We learn from him, and I can vouch for him. I love him. And we want to just be open, and we want to be pastoral. We want to be good leaders, but we definitely don't want to clamp down. Like if I go over to John and say, hey, bro, can you ease up a little bit or give me a break? He's on fire. He's been radically saved his whole life. And the truth is he's leading more people to Jesus and baptizing more people and driving more demons out than I am. So I want to be humble and learn from someone like him. Amen. All right. So you've got your Bible there. We're going to be looking at part two of 
Jesus brings deliverance. And we said last week that without the presence and the power and the name and the shed blood of Jesus and his resurrection, there is no deliverance. And so I wanna reiterate that. Jesus brings deliverance. He is the king. And when his kingdom manifests, demons are driven out of people's lives. We looked last week, we only got two points in. We looked at the fact that all authority and power over Satan and demons belongs to Jesus. And then secondly, we looked at Jesus shares that authority and power with his followers. And today we're going to look at a third and a fourth point and then try to do some practical suggestions on walking out your deliverance. The third point here, and before we look at it, Jesus, we, we do acknowledge that you are the great deliverer and we look to you. You're our teacher, you're our deliverer. And so we pray that you would instruct us and empower us today on how you bring deliverance and how we might work with you. We pray in your glorious name, Jesus. Amen. So look at Matthew 17. We're gonna look at this third point here. Sometimes Jesus brings deliverance instantaneously. Sometimes Jesus brings deliverance in an instant. And in this passage, we're gonna look at Matthew 17, 14 to 20, just a few verses. And this is after Jesus being transfigured on a mountain with Peter and James and John. And right after this incredible moment where the glory of Jesus is shining and his disciples see him, it's a glimpse of the future, his resurrection, his exaltation, a father comes to Jesus and is asking him if he will heal his son because he's suffering from severe epileptic seizures. And so Jesus discerns that that boy's condition has a demonic cause. And he casts out the demon and then he uses that moment to teach his disciples. So let's look at Matthew 17, 14 to 20. When they came to the crowd, a man came to him and knelt before him, that is Jesus. And he said, Lord, have mercy on my son for he is an epileptic and he suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Jesus answers, this is pretty heavy. You faithless and perverse generation, how much longer must I be with you? How much longer must I put up with you? Bring him here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the boy was cured instantly. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? Jesus said to them, because of your little faith. For truly I tell you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. And then some manuscripts, I'm gonna comment on this, but some manuscripts at verse 21 say, but this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. This is the word of the Lord. So in this instance, 
And there's lots that we could cover here, but I'm gonna keep it focused really on how Jesus brings deliverance. Jesus discerns through the Holy Spirit that there is a demon behind the boy's epilepsy. And sometimes this is the case today, isn't it? Sometimes someone is suffering and there may be a spiritual cause behind it, behind that physical condition. And we know that we live in a fallen world, don't we? We live in a fallen world and it's impacted by sin and brokenness and Satan does all that he can to bring deception, destruction, death, sickness, as much as possible, he wants to do these things. And so I wanna encourage us as a church, we're looking at this, not just as theory or theology from the past, but for information for us to also address darkness and bondage in our own lives and in the lives of other people. We wanna learn from Jesus. And there are certain instances where he will heal someone and he doesn't mention that there's any demonic cause at all. He just heals them. And so we want to be level-headed here, don't we, at All Saints? We want to use common sense. We want to embrace both approaches that Jesus is modeling here and that we know we want to have prayerful discernment, exposing the work of the enemy, and at the same time, we want to utilize the help of doctors and medical practice. Amen? So I'm not saying from this passage that all epilepsy or all physical conditions are demonic. We clear on that? But would you agree that sometimes they are? Sometimes they are. Now, this is pretty, uh, pretty radical here. We oftentimes hear that faith in God is like a mustard seed and we think that that applies generally to life. And what is the context though here, church? The context of that saying, if you have faith like a mustard seed, you'll be able to speak to big situations and things will change. What's the context? Deliverance. Have you ever thought of that? Make that connection. Jesus is bringing that strong word about having just a little bit of faith so that we can address the demonic. And then he adds there at verse 21, Sometimes, and he's really bringing it to his disciples, isn't he? He's, he's frustrated. He's like, I've taught you this. I've authorized you. These are, this is my paraphrase, but sometimes you guys drive me nuts. Haven't I been with you, modeling, showing you, and yet you're stuck here. And so what he's saying is sometimes there's a demonic cause in someone and you need to both pray with faith and you need to fast. Now, do we think that fasting is magical? Somehow by us abstaining from food, the demon doesn't, he sees it. Oh, he hasn't eaten in a while. I better get out of here. No, that's not what is happening. What fasting is saying to ourselves and to God and announcing in the spirit realm is this. I come dependent on the power of God. It's not me. It's not my strength, it's not my name, it's not my righteousness. It is the power of God Almighty demonstrated through the name of Jesus. And so I'm here to do business with darkness. That's what we're saying when we fast and when we pray. We're also saying, Lord, I am hungry to see this person set free. 
It might even be you. You might need deliverance. You might have a bondage in your life, a secret sin, an area where you're stuck, and the Lord might, through a text like this, say, you need to pray and you need to do a little fasting. You need to remind your belly that you're hungry and desperate for God, maybe to the point of skipping some meals. And we talk about wise, moderate, balanced fasting. Some people shouldn't do it. If you have an eating disorder, a history of challenges with food, you should find another way to fast, right? You can do different kinds of fasts. But friends, I want us to think about in the coming days, the Lord is going to use you, he's going to use this local church to challenge darkness, to challenge demons, and we're going to be a church that prays and fasts and sees God drive darkness from people's lives. Amen? Many of us sitting here already experiencing that. I shared last week my rather unusual deliverance story that seven years ago I had deliverance happen. I had asked John Rutke to share the story last week about the young man, Sam, that he met. And the night before he connected with him in a restaurant, I think I mentioned this, and he said, Sam, why don't you meet me for breakfast the next day? I wanna talk to you about Jesus, talk to you about what Jesus can do in your life. They met for breakfast. Before John knew it, Sam was repenting of his sin. He was receiving Jesus into his life. And John pointed to the ocean because they were at Laguna, right? Is that right? They were at Laguna Beach. And he said, we got plenty of water out here, Sam. Are you ready to get baptized? And Sam said, yes, I'm ready. So John, Jesus' people man, took him out to the ocean. The beach was crowded, baptized him. Demons started manifesting and coming out of him at the moment of his baptism. And then John prayed for the infilling of the Holy Spirit and he got filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues. Sounds rather first century, doesn't it? That's what we want to see. We want to see the power of God touch people's lives and heal and deliver and save. Amen? Let's look at a fourth thing here. Sometimes Jesus brings deliverance or healing, as you're gonna see in the text here, in stages. Sometimes it's instantly, and sometimes even the Lord himself heals in stages. We're gonna look at a text in a minute, but before we get there, if you wanna learn more about how Jesus brings deliverance, read the Gospel of Mark. And I know a number of you are reading Mark. I'm reading it right now, and I'm just going to school again on how Jesus brings deliverance. But we don't have time to read the whole chapter, but Mark 5, write it down. You can look at it later, Mark 5, 1 to 20. I'm just gonna kind of give a few of the highlights of this because it is interesting to see a deliverance unfold in stages here. Mark 5, 1 to 20, Jesus and the disciples are traveling. They go to the east side of the Sea of Galilee, and they encounter a demoniac there. Some Bibles say it's the Gadarene or the Gerizim demoniac. These are adjoined cities. And this brother, he's possessed. The text goes on to explain he has many, many, many demons. Hundreds, probably a couple thousand. And I want to just say here, 
oftentimes what we are dealing with in our own lives and with the lives of others is demonization. Can we say that together? Demonization, right? And so this can get muddy and unclear. Sometimes people just, all they hear is possession. If someone's influenced by a demon, they think possession. And that's not, that's not the way it is. In the New Testament, there's a word that conveys the sense of being attacked or oppressed, influenced by demons, and that's called demonization, right? This brother is not just demonized, he is possessed. He's a human being created in the image of God. And he is out wandering around, living among the tombs, and it's kind of a picture here. He is living dead. He is like a dead man who's been kicked out of his own city and he's shackled with big chains and he keeps breaking the chains and coming back into town and causing trouble. And the people have rejected him. You can imagine the loneliness, the embarrassment, and Jesus shows up. Jesus and the disciples The king draws near. The kingdom of God draws near. And those many demons that are in this man start to shriek. And they are saying, Jesus, don't torment me. Don't torment us. And the text says, at verse 8, Jesus had been saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. You see it? He had been, so he's saying it multiple times. This is not an instantaneous situation. This is Jesus addressing the spirits multiple times. And you can read the story later on. Jesus eventually forces the spirits to name themselves and then he drives them out. It's a famous story. He sends them into a herd of pigs might seem rather strange, but Jesus was demonstrating that this man's life was worth more than livestock, more than pigs. It's a glorious story. At verse 15 and 19, the townspeople come and they see this demonized, demon-possessed man who couldn't even be shackled, clothed in his right mind, sitting at the feet of Jesus. Friends, that's what we want to see in the coming days. We want to see people who've been demonized, oppressed, attacked, maybe even possessed by demons. And we want to see the Lord Jesus drive those evil influences out of their lives. And we want to see them in their right mind. Amen. Some of you are sitting there saying, well, that was me. And that's the testimony of the church. Friends, we better get ready. The world is demonized. There's lots of demonized people. There's a spectrum of it all the way to demon possessed. And the Lord is going to bring to all saints and he's gonna bring you in contact with people that have been afflicted by demons for years and years. And he's gonna use you to drive demons out of their lives. That's why we're looking at this. It's not theory. It's not just theology from the past, but Jesus commissions his disciples then and now for all time to attack the works of darkness and to see people set free. Amen? We do it in humility, dependent on his name. Look at this quickly here. Mark 8, 22 through 25, and we are gonna look at this. 
looking at Jesus bringing deliverance, and this is healing, but healing is a form of deliverance, isn't it? Deliverance from sickness. Again, you can read the Gospel of Mark and see some instances that sickness, the physical affliction, is caused by a demon, and Jesus calls it out. Sometimes it's not. Mark 8, 22 through 25. And what's happening here is Jesus is now on the north side of the Sea of Galilee, and he's going to heal a blind man. Mark 8, 22 through 25. They, Jesus and the disciples, came to Bethsaida. Some people brought a blind man to him and begged Jesus to touch him. Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had put saliva on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, can you see anything? And the man looked up and said, I can see people but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again. And he looked intently and his sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. Do you see it there, church? Stages, a process. Even the son of God heals both instantly and in stages. People for 2,000 years have looked at this text and tried to figure out what all it means there. And we know that the Gospel of Mark is showing these physical healings, but he's also showing that Jesus has to open your eyes spiritually for you to see and understand who he is. And so that's happening at the same time with this man. Rather strange here. I recommend that we put our hands on people like Christ and we pray in the name of Jesus for healing and for deliverance for that matter. But I don't recommend the part that you're looking at, at verse 23. To put saliva on their eyes. Now some of you are saying, I've done that before. And I, I know, I've heard from some of you. Oftentimes overseas on a mission trip somewhere... This, this happens. So I'm not saying don't be willing to follow the method of Jesus, but you got to know when you're knower and you've got to have some wise counsel around you before you go slap and spit on somebody. <laughs> you don't want to offend people and then say, well, Jesus did it. And if you do this, you better have a breath mint for goodness sake. Don't kill them with your halitosis. You think I'm kidding, but I'm not. But Jesus had a method. This is the ancient world. And they used saliva. Many healers would use saliva and mud. And so it was an acted symbol and a parable. Some early church fathers even say that we have woven into here baptism. That Christ who is the living fountain of the spirit is actually applying a little bit of that to the man's eyes and opening his eyes to see and most likely the man had seen before he wasn't born blind because he knows what trees look like, right? In the text, he's saying, I see these people walking around, they're like trees. But the point is, this is the only place in all the gospels where Jesus is doing a two-stage miracle like this, touching someone and healing them. 
So sometimes Jesus brings healing or deliverance in stages. We've had deliverance happening in our church recently, haven't we? Some of us gathered a few weeks back in our living room and we had someone there who was walking out stages or steps of their deliverance. And so we had about eight people there to pray, to collaborate as a team, to pray for this person. And team and collaboration helps greatly. You don't wanna do this alone. You wanna always, Jesus sent them out, how? Two by two. So you always, if you're praying for someone, you want to make sure that someone else is there with you. But we had eight people there. And so we spent a couple of hours praying for this person, waiting on the Lord, asking for the Lord's power and authority to address the demonic in this person's life. We were combining both natural knowledge of the person's situation and supernatural knowledge. People were getting words of wisdom. And over a few hours, there was more and more deliverance that was happening. Friends, we want all of those different approaches, don't we? Sometimes we will address the demonic in someone's life, maybe even our life, maybe even a loved one in the family, and we'll address it and speak in the name of Jesus. We don't have to yell, we don't have to scream, we don't have to holler, because we've got the authority through the name of Jesus. Now you may get vocal at times, but when we were praying for this person, we were each praying in a rather conversational way. So we want all the different methods, don't we? And you know what? It's up to the Lord to decide what he does. The scriptures tell us to share the gospel and to cast out demons to pray for the sick and to expect the Lord to touch people. We don't have to get weird about it. It's really not depending on how good you are, how strong you are. Jesus said a tiny bit of faith, confidence in him is enough. So we lay hands on the sick, we address sickness, the demonic, and we leave it up to him. Is that true? You don't have to pray the long right prayer. We put it in his hands. John Wimber, one of the key leaders, early vineyard days, the Lord spoke to him one time because he was constantly arguing with God. Anybody else argue with God besides me? Oftentimes I'll tell him, I think my approach is better than yours. Why don't you do this? And Wimber was having an argument with the creator of the universe and God said, preach my word, not your experience. Preach my word, not your experience. And for him, it was a lack of experience. The Lord was telling him to preach and practice what you find in scripture and expect me to move according to what you find there. So that's our, that's our role, whether we're dealing with the demonic or sickness or disease, we are going to practice what we find in the book and then leave it up to God. Sometimes Jesus will heal someone or drive out a demon in an instant and sometimes he chooses to do it over a period of time, amen?
Okay, let's end with this. I want to just touch on a few practical things because we are committed to practicality. The scriptures are very pragmatic, full of practical wisdom. And so I'm going to click through these rather quickly and then we're going to have ministry. What practical things can you and I do to experience and maintain deliverance, the deliverance that Jesus provides? It's all up there. The first is spend time with Jesus every day. Have a marathon mindset, not a sprint. Think like a soldier does. You are a soldier of Christ Jesus. That means that you have to walk the long, steady road of friendship with Jesus. A long road of obedience. And so that means spending time with him. It means having an approach to prayer every day, to pray scripture, to converse with God through his word, to confess your faith. I'm gonna be talking next week about something called a rule or a guide of prayer, and that means you have a plan. We're gonna talk about that next week. Oftentimes in my prayer time, I'm not only reading scripture and praying it to God, but I will take out the Apostles' Creed and I will declare my faith in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and it does something. Maybe you can do that as well. Spend time with Jesus every day, and in that time, humble yourself before the Lord. First Peter 5, 6, the apostle says that we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt us at the proper time. James, the apostle says, we confess our sin to one another. We practice these things. We spend time with Jesus, but then there are certain practices that we do. Isn't that right, all saints? The second one, hugely important, be there. Get involved in and serve in the church. I cannot imagine trying to go at it alone out there. Friends, you need the church. I need the church. Amanda and I have been very open. We had several years where we had difficulty finding a local church. And we said, we're never going back to that. We're gonna be embedded and knitted into the local church. Are you committed to that? Weekly worship on Resurrection Sunday, coming together, meeting in one another's homes during the week for groups, practicing Acts 2.42, being committed to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer. We need the Lord and his church. Something else that happens in that, and this can be part of your deliverance, is you get outside of yourself. You serve others. The Lord's given you gifts and a calling and skills so that you can serve other people. I remember hearing about this when I was in a time of great doubt, kind of a dark night of the soul, And I remember reading a story. Mother Teresa said that she had lived many years with a dark night of the soul. She just didn't know where God's presence was. It was very, very difficult. And she said, that is when I went out onto the streets and picked dying bodies up. Because it was then, in that moment of giving myself away, that I was aware of the presence of Christ. And I said, oh, I'm no Mother Teresa. But there's a principle there. 
If you will go and serve and give yourself away, get outside of yourself and serve, that is where the presence of Christ is. Serve others. A third thing here, take active intentional steps toward healing and deliverance. We're learning about this here at the church. We've got inner healing and deliverance. We've got sozo, which is a Greek word for salvation. And you can sign up for that. And it's a a place to basically address areas in your life where you need to repent, where you let the light of Christ shine, where you repent and receive the forgiveness of God over eight weeks. And I warned Amanda, if I announced that, we would, the, the list would grow. So we need more people to go through inner healing and deliverance a wonderful approach to this so that we can provide it for more people. Friends, we have counseling, therapy, soul care in the making, something that Connie is working on, spiritual direction. We have people like Caleb McCain and Kim West at this church. We are wanting healing and deliverance, and so we access all that God provides. Amen? Also, with taking active intentional steps means that you clean house spiritually. And this is what I thought ministry time could be about today. Cleaning house. Amanda knows I don't like cleaning house, cleaning out closets and those kinds of things. She's praying that I'll go through deliverance in that respect. (laughs) She's laughing going, that's right. But I do want to clean house spiritually. And I want you to clean house spiritually. Even today, I want you to think about Jesus in your life. He loves you. He will love the sin out of you. What better deal is that? We open up to him, even those dark pockets. And he goes, I'm going to love that out of you. I'm going to bring my light and my love. I'm going to bring freedom to you. And so part of this, friends, is cleaning house. Whatever it is that hinders or dampens or negatively affects your relationship with Jesus. You can look at Acts 19, 19 later. Some of you know what happens there. You had a lot of people who were involved in the occult, in magic, and they took all their objects related to that, all of their books, and they burned it. And so maybe the Lord has some things that you need in your house cleaning. You need to get that stuff out. Can I share something that you might look at me and think, why in the world? I, for many years, I've been a horror film fan. I think I got delivered. But I took this collection of horror films, and many of them are you know, goofy things from the 80s, and all, but they were worth money, and I threw them in the garbage. I don't want that stuff around. It's part of the past. So you may have some stuff that you need to clean house with. This last thing here is utilizing resources on deliverance ministry. There's a couple books out there. One by Derek Prince called They Shall Expel Demons. It's a good book. And then another one by Frank and Ida May Hammond called Pigs in the Parlor. These are two classics. And I will say I disagree with Derek Prince on the origin of demons. So you can keep that in mind. Why don't we stand Maybe you want to read the Gospels with fresh eyes too. I mentioned it a couple times. Read the Gospel of Mark. 
pray and ask the Lord to teach you about his deliverance and healing ministry. This last thing, I encourage you friends to wear a cross. Amanda and I have been talking about this recently. Um, Is wearing a cross Christian magic or something like that? No, of course not. But it's a physical symbol that you belong to Christ. You're baptized into Christ, that you've been crucified with Christ. And so it's something to wear, maybe on a ring or something like that. Symbols are powerful, aren't they? That's why we have this one here. It's a reminder that we serve and follow and give everything for Christ crucified and resurrected. Could I have the ministry team come up, please? Are you encouraged to seek the Lord for power for deliverance? I hope so. Are you encouraged? Some of you are going, ah, not sure, but I invite you into that. I encourage some of you to do a little house cleaning today to maybe take some spiritual inventory. Ask the Lord right now to speak to you. Are there some things that you need to bring into the light? Maybe some things in your home that you've held on to that represent things from the past? Get rid of that stuff. So Lord, we, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who searches us, who transforms us, and we welcome your work right now, Holy Spirit. We ask for deliverance and transformation. Would you work in us in these few minutes that we've got here? We're gonna linger in the Lord's presence as we always do. Wallace has something.